Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. All right. Well, good morning. I want to take a moment and just say happy Father's Day again to all the fathers. I think about, you know, the research and the statistics that have been done and shown the importance of of dads and importance of dads being in the home. And and I think of uh, my own life growing up that... I, if it wasn't for my dad going to church, I never would have went to church. Um, in fact, I said that as a teenager. Um, one Sunday, they wanted us to go to church, but my dad didn't go to church. And I said, well, if you're not going to go, I'm not going to go. And so those of you who are here this morning and you are dads or grandpas or father figures to someone, I want to say thank you for being in church this morning because you are an incredible influence and an example on somebody whether you realize it or not. So, amen and thank you. Well, we're going to continue this morning in our series on the book of Philippians. We have literally been all over, but not as much in the book of Philippians as, as I thought we would be. Um, we're going to jump to chapter 2 today and, and, and look at some stuff there, but um, we're going to begin to kind of look at the character traits that Paul uh, outlines for us are the character traits or marks of a follower of Christ. Now, before we do that, I want to in true youth pastor fashion, do a little game or a little activity here. And I need a volunteer. And I know, like in youth group, everybody raises their hand. On Sunday morning, nobody raises their hand. Well, I need... Meryl is excited. (laughs) What I'd like to have is a father and son combination, if I could get. Don't... Chad and Caden jump all at once. Here's the caveat. Do you like candy bars? Yeah. Are you allergic to peanuts? We got to find somebody else. (laughs) Sorry. Or dad and daughter. Dad and daughter. Come on, anybody. Anybody. Don't move all at once. We'll be here till 3 o'clock. All right, Meryl, it's you. Come on, buddy. Who, Who... Why the peanuts? Seriously, we'll just we'll just use Meryl. How well do you think you know who? Chad, you be his son. All right, perfect, perfect, perfect. You're not allergic. <laughs> You're not allergic to peanuts, right? All right, come on up here. How, how well do you think you know candy bars? You know them well. All right, who wants to go first? We're going to put this cute little sleep mask on you that my kids let me borrow. Here we go. Let's put that on you. Oh, beautiful. You can't see, right? You can't see, right? If you hold your hands out in front of you, you can't see your hands? No. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to identify this candy bar without eating it. Just by touch, we're going to see if you can tell me what kind of candy bar it is. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. All right. All right. All right. We'll go right here. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let's let Meryl go. Switch it up. Oh, my goodness. I can't. 
Meryl's nervous now. We got the tough, I, I saved the tough one for now. But yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! What a, he's a wizard. He can see, I think. He's had a lot of chocolate. Wow! Right, you're good, okay. I have a tiebreaker, but I think you're going to get it. So we'll just let Merrill see if he knows it. I thought that was going to be the easiest one. Is this Reese's? It is. Oh my goodness gracious. All right, that's all I got. You can we better take that back so the kids. All right, get, here you go. Take take your pick. All right. Who really likes Heath Bar? I saw Doris go up first. What about a Kit Kat? <laughs> Sorry, the York peppermint patty is mine. <laughs> Unless Merrill stole it. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Well, just like those candy bars have specific traits, character traits, they have taste. We didn't do that today. Um, but they have a certain touch, a certain shape, a feel, a smell, all of that. There are certain traits and markers that should exist in those of us who follow Christ. There are things that should be exhibited uh, uh, as part of our life or, or things that identify us as people who imitate and follow Jesus Christ. Now, if I'm honest, and I bet if, if most of us are honest, we would have to raise our hands and say, I don't always imitate Christ, right? Maybe driving on McGalliard, <laughs> stuck in traffic, in a meeting that went 20 minutes longer than it was supposed to or an hour longer than it was supposed to. You know, there are moments, there are times in our life where we don't always exhibit the uh, image and reflection of Christ. Now, I, I feel like a lot of times I fail, and, and I'm so grateful and thankful for the grace of God at work in my life. Are you grateful for the grace of God at work in your life? I, I need it. I need it. And it's important that we don't just say, okay, well, I've got God's grace and so I can live however I want and do whatever I want and just say, okay, I'm covered by grace, so the rest of this doesn't even matter. We don't want to do that, but at the same time, it is, it is a, a beautiful thing to have grace at work in our lives. I'm very, very thankful for that, but I also don't want to go too far to the other side and just say, well, grace has me covered and I can live and say and do whatever I want. In fact, Paul begins to address this in our text that we're going to look at today. If you want to turn, you can. We'll be in Philippians chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 12. We'll get, we'll get there in just a second. Um, I want to give some kind of context of, of what he's about to say. Paul is, again, writing to the Philippian church, and he is addressing their conduct. 
and he's saying, hey, here are some things that kind of should be a part, behaviors, things that you should do, and he's commending them. He's saying, hey, you are doing an amazing job at living out, you know, the imit- you know imitating Christ. You are doing a wonderful job. I mean, how many of, would you say, like, if someone was going to say about you, you are an amazing imitator of Christ, would you go for that? I mean, it would be okay with that? I think I'd be okay with that, you know? Um, and that's what he's doing. He's saying, you guys are doing an amazing job, even in my absence. You're, you're doing an incredible job. And then he begins to kind of outline some uh, traits that they should live out. And I want to do that this morning. I want to outline those traits. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a point and then read some scripture, make a point, read some scripture, and then we'll um, kind of conclude with applying it to our lives. And so the first point is this. We should continue to work out our faith. Or as Paul says it, continue to work out our salvation. He says this, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I want to stop there. In college... Um, I had a professor, he, I, I love this professor, he was, he's a great Bible scholar and he's written many, many books on Hebrews and Romans and Galatians and all that stuff. And he had this phrase that he would always say, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you have to ask what it's there for. And he said that all the time. That was one of the, that was like, you could, we would make tally marks on how many times he would say that. That and then do this with his hair. He, his hair would fall on his face and he would go like this like eight million times in a class and whoever got the tally right you know or the most tally marks you know we would we, we would win a prize or something it was like every day just this over and over but he always would say that he was always say hey when when whenever you see therefore in the bible you've got to ask what it's there for because what it does is it links something previously talked about to what's about to be talked about and paul is doing that here he's saying hey what i've been saying is relevant to what I'm about to say. And what he's been saying, which we, we, haven't, we haven't really covered, we've kind of skipped over that part, is, is he's talking about how Jesus has been incredibly obedient to God the Father to the point of death. He has followed in the example of God and he has been completely obedient to his Father all the way to the cross and to death. And he's saying we should follow in that example. We should be imitators of that that behavior of of Christ in that way that we would be humble and obedient to God in every way possible. And then he says, therefore, and he begins to commend them on what he's doing. And, and, And in verse 12, which for me has been one of the most confusing passages of scripture I have forever. If I was making a list, the top 10 confusing scriptures, this would make my list where he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I have always wrestled with this idea of work out your salvation. What does that mean? Does that mean that we have to work for it? That if I'm not good enough, I might not make the cut? Maybe you've wrestled with this before or wondered this. Maybe if, if, I'm just, if I don't live a good enough life, God might say one day, sorry, you don't make it. 
And so therefore I have to work. And it's a point system that nobody's told me about. It's like, you, you know, remember the old whose line is in any way thing that, you know, the points don't matter or the games are made up and the points don't matter or whatever. But it's like in this game, the points do matter, but you don't know who's keeping score. You know, how would you like to play that game? You know, and, and sometimes life can feel that way. It's like, man, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I've worked enough for God to let me in. But I don't think that's what Paul means here. Paul does not mean that we should work to earn our salvation. In fact, I think if we go all the way back to what we talked about in week one, if you were here when we started this series, we said that God is doing a good work in us. He's doing something in you and he's doing something in me that he hasn't brought to completion yet. I think that that's what Paul is referring to. He's going back all the way to something he said way, way in the beginning of this and saying, hey, there, God is doing something in you and he's doing something in me that isn't done yet. It isn't done yet. And he's going to carry it on to completion. Now, in one sense of the word, our salvation, those of us in the room who have asked Jesus into our lives, we have a relationship with Jesus, that salvation, all the work necessary for you and I to be saved is complete. It's done. Nothing else needs to be done. Jesus doesn't need to die again. There's nothing that needs to be done for you and me to be saved other than to accept Jesus Christ into our life. That's it. All that work has been finished. In fact, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Which I think was speaking to this very thing. That all the work has been done. But in another sense of the word, as we talked about in week one, that work is not complete in you, right? Do you feel every day when you wake up like, God has completely made you into the person that he wants you to be. I don't know about you, but sometimes I fail, right? Sometimes I wake up and I don't feel like I should feel or feel as good as I should or, or feel as loved as I should. And that's all a part of that work, not being complete yet. That work is not complete in you. And so we are to continue to work out our salvation in that way as we are working towards the day of completion, the day that Christ would return. And he says to do it in fear and trembling. So what does that mean? Like we should be afraid of God? No. No, we can't. We're not to be afraid of God. We're to have reverence for God. A holy reverence for God. And not trembling out of guilt, but trembling at this holy encounter that we have with God. Someone mentioned this morning, that the, you remember the thunder strike that just happened like yesterday? Was it yesterday or the day before? I don't know. It was really loud. It was like this massive one. And, and they were telling a story that it literally rattled the coffee cups that were stacked in their house. It thundered so loud, it literally rattled the cups. And I think of that as when we encounter God in a really, that amazing way. Those of you who know what I'm talking about, you, you know because you know because you know. You can't hardly explain it to somebody else. Like you just encounter God. It's like it rattles you and you tremble. Not with fear or out of guilt, but because of how amazing God is. How holy he is. How powerful his work is in your life. And how amazed you are at his, his reverence and his grace. The fact that he would even be gracious to you. May we work on our journey with God in reverence to his greatness and have joy as we continually understand and grow in his grace and his love for us. That's what I believe Paul is saying here. Now I want to move on because I could just spend the rest of the day on that passage. The second thing that Paul points out for us is that we are to... Live free of grumbling. 
I think I just heard a grumble. <laughs> Look what it says, verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become pure, or sorry, blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. As you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from you, your faith. I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, if the deciding factor to get into heaven was to have not grumbled in your life. How many of you would make the cut? <laughs> I don't see any hands. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I am a professional grumbler. If that was a degree, I think I earned it. Uh, you know, honorary though. I didn't actually go to school. I just already knew how to do it. And they just gave me the doctorate right there. But, but think about it. Do you ever grumble? Grumble about work? There was some, some sort of grumble there. Grumble about church maybe? grumble about what dads, husbands, what your wife cooked for dinner. You won't admit it right now, I can promise you that. <laughs> grumble Never. about going to a family event that you don't want to go to. You ever been there? You're like, man, <laughs> we got some. The wet, yeah, grumble about the weather. I mean, what is this, October? Is, I mean, I, the weather is so confused right now. Uh, we have done a lot of grumbling about the weather. But we grumble, don't we? And man, if that was, if that was the, the marker to say uh, you're a Christian or not a Christian, man, I don't know if many of us would make the cut because we are good at grumbling. And Paul says we should be free from grumbling because when we do, we, are, we become blameless and pure. We, we live in this warped and crooked generation. I mean, that's true of Paul's day. It's true of our day. And, and our role as Christians is to shine like stars in the sky. I, I love this. You and I, our whole role as Christians is to shine like stars. Think about this for a moment. Do you go into the dark places of your work, of your school, of this community, uh, you know, of some club that you're involved in or whatever? And do you shine? Do you shine the light of Christ in those places? Now, I don't mean that you go in there and you show off how much better you are than other people or talk about how great you are or how awesome your kids are. I mean to go in there and fulfill your role as the light of the world. That because we have Jesus in our hearts and in our lives, we are supposed to go into dark places and shine that light. Do we do that, church? Do we do that? See, lights are meant to be used to make things evident. Lights are meant to guide and, and warn and bring cheer. They bring lots of cheer at Christmas time, right? You know, lights are meant to keep things safe. But do we shine, church? Do we as a church shine our light on the city of Muncie? Or do we just grumble? Do we just argue? Fight about how things are different than they used to be and we wish we would go back to the old ways? Or, or fight about politics 
if I never heard another fight about politics in my life, I, oh, praise Jesus. You know, I just, it, it's all the time. We complain about people who believe differently than us. I don't know if you follow social media or not at all, but it's, I, I'm pretty sure that this month has been uh, is, is like the gay pride month or whatever. And, and I see it constantly on my social media feed. And, and I think that a lot of times Christians take this as an opportunity to tell people how they're wrong and they don't believe the same things. And it's like, no, no, that's just more grumbling. That's just more arguing and fighting. That's, that's not our job. That's not our role. Maybe we should do something different. Try a different approach. Maybe we grumble about church and how it's changing and, and I don't like that. Or grumble about how the music, Nathan, the music's different than it used to be. And I just don't like it. You didn't let me play today. I'm just kidding. Actually, I was supposed to play today and I said no. I was grumbling. We grumble about how this has changed or how that's changed. And see, our role is not to grumble, but to shine. To shine like a star. And here's the thing. It's really hard to shine when you're grumbling and arguing and fighting all the time. We cannot allow ourselves to get sidetracked on this mission of being people who shine wherever we go. We must put that first. Because see, the darker the world gets, and I think we would all admit that in some ways, in some cases, it's pretty dark these days. We have more incentive to shine. We have more reason to shine than we have ever had before. More opportunity. More places who need the light of Jesus. More places that need you and, and, and me and all of us to go into our community and into those places and shine the light of Christ. And again, it's not us going in there and maybe cramming our faith down their, someone's throat, but it's just simply going in there and, and loving them. Loving them, or, or maybe it's showing them grace. Or as we talked about a few weeks ago, letting our joy be so over, overwhelming and overflowing in our lives that it just it literally spreads onto other people around us. That they can't help but just be joyful as they spend time around us. What an amazing thing that would be. Maybe we could just simply be Jesus to them. Or maybe even invite them to church. That's our role. That's our, that's our purpose. So we are to be people who are free from grumbling. Last thing. We should have concern for others. We should have concern for others. Look at this, verse 19. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will continue or will come soon. He goes on, he says, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard, you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not 
on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that, you, that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the, to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Now that's kind of long. And, and perhaps maybe just something you might read and skip over and not even think anything about it because it's purely informational. It's a lot of information of Paul just kind of saying, hey, you know, well, I'd love to send, send Timothy. I'm sad I can't be there. Timothy is a suitable replacement for me. In fact, he's probably just as good as me. And, and I'm hoping to send Epaphroditus. And that's kind of just, you know, the information we get and skip over. But this part where he begins to talk about Timothy really stuck out to me. Because he says, Timothy is this guy of great character. He's someone who actually cares for the welfare of others. He is concerned about other people. And in this day, in in this generation, that was unheard of. It was rare for people to care about somebody else. Does that not sound a little familiar to this day? No? Okay. Uh, You know, I think think it's kind of rare. Oftentimes, most people are out for themselves. They're not looking for somebody else. They're not worried about somebody else. They want to look after number one. In fact, I think if there's any characteristic that marked our culture today, that might be a top five, you know, is is that we look out for number one. And Paul says this is rare. And Timothy is a guy who cares for others. And that we should do the same, church. As Christians, as followers of Christ, part of imitating his character is is that we care about other people. Not just those that we like. Not just those that fit the mold of people who we think are suitable to hang out with. Not just those who, who, who look nice when we hang out with them and we get like a status boost. But anybody, everybody, that we should care for all people. I think this is why that the church should be concerned with serving our community. That we should be concerned with serving the homeless, serving the needy, serving the hungry, caring for those who are broken and addicted, the widowed, the orphaned, and the lost. That that's our role. I heard someone say recently that if the church would step up and give generously and serve faithfully in their communities, that we would not need federal aid or government assistance anymore. Now, that's a bold statement and I have no facts to back that up that's just somebody talking but but I do know that it is a documented fact that we have enough money in this world that is wasted that we could feed every hungry person on this planet they have proven that they have a number that says this is what it costs to feed everyone somebody is jamming um but they have a number that they said this, would, this amount of money would feed every person on the planet. And it's, it's out there. It's exist, it exists. It's wasted money. It's not some insurmountable you know, amount that we can't reach. It's probably just wasted on all kinds of things. In fact, I think that we have enough people that if they would serve and give and care for those who, 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 need, who are needy and who are lost and who are homeless, that we could make a difference. In fact, I think we have enough people in this church or who call this church their home that if everybody gave generously and everybody served faithfully that we could make a difference in Muncie. Now, we may not reach everybody, 
We may not serve everybody, but we could make a difference, right? And that's our purpose, is to go out and shine the light and care for those who are lost and care for not just those who are lost, but to care for others in general. That that is our role. And I believe that we have enough people that we can make a difference in Muncie, New Yorktown, and Albany, and all the surrounding area, and we can make a difference. So what do we do with this information? Well, here's a question I want you to kind of ponder for a moment. If someone examined your life and the life of Christ, would there be any similarities? Would they say, huh, that guy kind of looks like Jesus. That, 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 that lady, she, she kind of reflects and acts like Jesus. Would, would you reflect the, li- the life of Jesus at all? In this dark world, are you shining the light or are you hiding it? Are you hiding it? See, I think so often I'm guilty of, of kind of just fading into the background and just blending in. And just trying to, in fact, almost to a fault. You know, growing up, there was a particular person in my life. This was before I uh, became a Christian. And right around the time that I became a Christian, there were a couple people in my life that were Christians. And they really weirded me out. Let's let's just say it. This will give us some breathing room. Sometimes Christians are weird. Amen? I'm just going to say it. Sometimes we're weird. And sometimes it's a little too weird. And that was the case for me. And I think for myself, even as a pastor now, sometimes I'm almost like to a fault. I so don't want to be that way. And so I'm almost guilty of like fading into the background and being like, don't let nobody know you're a pastor. Don't, you know, because then you have to answer those awkward questions and have weird conversations. And it's like, so, you know, but, but it shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't feel that way because our role is to shine the light of Christ. That's our role is that we would be the hope of the world. We are the hope of this world, church, whether you realize it or not. If the world looked at our efforts to share Jesus, here's a question to think of. Would there be any hope for them to know about Jesus? If the world measured our efforts, Muncie First Church, on whether or not we spread Jesus enough is there hope for the rest of the world to know about Jesus or are we too busy grumbling and too busy just being busy or too busy with the wrong things too busy with our own agenda too busy with our own schedule or are we shining like a star are we concerned with others are we caring for people that we should be caring for I want to close this morning with a video clip. This is, is a clip that I, I have had this clip for a long, long time, and I've, I've shown it many times. I may have even shown it here. I, I don't remember. But it is just a powerful, powerful uh, kind of truth about the idea of how we are to shine like stars. Jim, if you would go ahead. Darkness on the earth. I was in Walmart with my little three-year-old because when you're an Australian, you go to Walmart as a tourist attraction because we don't have stores that are open at 3 a.m. where you can buy a television set and underwear and breakfast cereal all under one roof at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's fantastic. We take pictures and Twitter and tell everyone we're in Walmart. Anyway, so it's... And my little, cat, my little Sophia wanted a flashlight. So I bought her a little flashlight. We put batteries in it. I was paying for it. 
She was standing right there in a very well-illuminated Walmart. And she turned around, and I heard this. It's possibly one of the most impacting things I've heard all year. And she just kind of yelled out. She turned her flashlight on. She was frustrated because although it was on, you couldn't tell because there was so much light. So she yells out. She goes, Mommy, can we please go and find some darkness? And I just stopped. And I put out of the mouth of babes. A three-year-old has a revelation. There's only one purpose for light. It's to go into the highways and byways and find the darkness and illuminate that darkness. And what we have is a world that is living in darkness. And you and I need to go into those highways and byways and bring the justice, the mercy, the grace, the love of Almighty God to a lost and a broken world. We don't need to fear it, for greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He truly is. There was a missionary, A.W. Milne, part of the one-way missionaries in the 19th century. He went to a tribe of headhunters in the New Hebrides. No one had ever come back from this tribe. He didn't die, I mean, as in he wasn't killed by them. But he died after 35 years and they buried him. And this is the epitaph that they wrote on his tombstone and I would love something like this on mine. As they buried him, they wrote this. When he came, there was no light. When he left... There was no darkness. I probably could have told you that story myself, but her voice is so incredible, and it just doesn't have the same power when I speak it in an English accent, you know, American accent. I need the Australian accent. You know, that is so true of what it means to be a Christian. That's our role, is that we would go into those dark places and illuminate them with the light of Jesus. And I pray that our church and that you individually and for myself, that may someone say of us one day that when they came, there was no light. But when they left, there was no darkness. May that be true of you. May that be true of us. And that as we go off into Muncie and Indiana and the rest of this country and the rest of this world, that we would be shining like stars in everything that we do, in your work, in your school, in, in your family, in your home, whatever. May we shine like stars. And as we do that, I believe that we can't help but care for others. That genuine care for the welfare of others will begin to grow more and more. And as we do that, I believe that we will be working out our salvation in fear and trembling, as Paul said. We get all three as we do the one, I believe. And may that be true of you this morning, church. And so we're going to stand together and we're just going to worship this morning. If you want to come and pray, you can come and pray. I don't have anything specific for you to come and pray about. That's just between you and God. But Nathan is going to lead us and, and we're going to sing. And I just want to worship God this morning as we close out. And, and may just be a, a fresh reminder and a powerful reminder that we are to shine like stars. Let's stand together. Jesus, help us to do that. As we go into our world, as we go into work, as we go into wherever we go, May we have the courage and the strength and the boldness to shine bright. So bright that it's, un, it's impossible to recognize, God. That, that, that people wouldn't know. They, 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 just, they, they, would, they would know immediately that there's something special. There's something different there. 
We are the light. Let our light shine bright. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Go in peace, church. Have a great day and happy Father's Day.